Welcome to episode 104 of the Search with Candor podcast, recorded on Friday the 26th of March 2021. My name is Mark Williams-Cook and today we're going to be talking about expectation management. We're going to be joined by a special guest, Billy Jean of the SEO Works, Senior Account Manager, who's going to talk to us about SEO and how we need to be managing client expectations, the problems it can bring up and some different strategies we can use to make sure everyone is happy. Before we kick off, I'd like to tell you this episode of Search with Candor is sponsored by Sitebulb. Sitebulb, if you haven't heard of it, is a desktop-based SEO auditing bit of software for Windows and Mac. And it's something I've used for a few years now. We use in the agency a lot, so I absolutely don't mind and love talking about it. I normally go through one different feature each week that I found particularly helpful or the new features that they bring out all the time. And I wanted to circle back around to, I think, one of the features that actually made Sitebulb kind of famous, or at least a, a feature it's famous for, which is the, the the crawl maps that it produces. So these are the crawl maps, crawl radials, these, these images of like a bird's eye view of your pages and how they link together. I've spoken about them before and about how they're a really good way to give a visual overview of how your site links together to see if you know, you've know you got logical groups of pages or if you've got endless sort of single path clicks to a page that is of course never going to rank. The one thing I wanted to point out that I think people overlook about these crawl graphs is the coloration of them. So they're not just colored to look pretty, but the most important thing I find on there is apart from it goes from like a green to a yellow depending on the, the, the click depth from the start page, it actually highlights non-indexable pages in red. And I found this hugely interesting. So if you do a if you do a crawl of a site and suddenly you can see like a quarter of it or half of it or in some cases 80-90% is red, you're actually seeing that you're having all these pages crawled and for whatever reason, they're not indexable. They've probably got a no index tag. Really interesting when you're looking at managing crawl budget and again, a really effective way to get that overview of your site. Sitebulb has got a free trial and it's actually an extended trial for Search with Candor listeners. You can get it by going to sitebulb.com forward slash SWC. No credit card or anything required. You can just download it and give it a go. So I suggest you do. And today, as I said, we're going to be joined by Billy Gina, who is a senior account manager at the SEO Works in Sheffield. Um, if you haven't heard of her, I actually discovered her through the Women in Tech SEO group. So uh, listeners of the podcast will know we did speak to Ari Jabu Ali back in episode 75. If you want to find a link to that, you can find it on our show notes at search.withcanda.co.uk. Um, so if you are a woman and you are working or you'd like to work in tech SEO or any SEO, actually, it's a really 
uh, great group. I actually put this tweet out asking if anyone uh, would like to come on the podcast and I'm really pleased. I've now got several guests lined up for you over the next uh, few weeks. But today we are very happy to be joined by Billy. Hello, Billy. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no problem at all. Billy, do you want to give a quick introduction to uh, yourself? I obviously said you're a senior account manager at SEO Work. So do you want to just tell us a little bit about um, your SEO background and, and actually what, what do you do day to day as a as an account manager there? Uh, yeah, of course. So yeah, so like, like you've said, I'm a senior account manager at the SEO Works. Um, I've been doing SEO officially for actually three years I said earlier too but that's that's a lie um and before that I was writing content um I was actually writing bereavement notices for a large publication group so it's a bit bit weird <laughs> um that's super niche <laughs> yeah really niche um and I did that for two years um it was a bit all doom and gloom and now I don't I, I try to avoid content as much as possible like I'm very much a tech SEO at heart and I'm really glad I've found that niche for me. Um, day to day, like I, I never have a day that's the exact same. So this week I've been working on automating content, which is something I've not done before. So that was really fun. Um, but um, my job kind of is between speaking with clients, managing their expectations, speaking with the agency I work for, making sure I'm managing their expectations of me. Um, and I can be doing anything from writing meta titles to re- like rewriting a bit of code on the site. I, I genuinely don't do anything the same two days in a row. We're going to talk a little bit more about managing expectations in a while. And I think it's it's really interesting already the point you've you've um, brought up, especially for people working in agencies, you're in the middle of a, a tug of war between um, client expectations for what they want and obviously the agency expectations for what you need to to do as well. So so we'll touch on that. Can you tell me a little bit more? I, I just I didn't know this. I know you had a background before as a as a copywriter and if, my observation is generally people have gone into SEO with on the trajectory of their background. So for instance, my background was always kind of tech stuff. I was interested in programming. I'm an awful writer. Um, I, you know, I only can get by because things like Grammarly exist. Um, and so naturally that was my trajectory into SEO. I was like, oh, hey, tech stuff. So what, what made you come in from that copywriting um, side and then think oh you know I'm, I'm really interested in this tech side and do you have any advice for anyone that is maybe doing copywriting and because and, and I know this is a fear of a lot of people that and they see that tech stuff and they're like oh it looks interesting but it looks really hard um yeah so what happened to me was I was working right writing these bereavement notices um and I got a lot of phone calls from the bereaved family members saying they can't find these bereavement notices online. They can't navigate the website. And I'd also occasionally just get uh, the odd person phone up and be like, you posted a news article and I can't find it now. Like what's happened? Um, and I was like, this is a bit weird. We want people to find what we're putting out there. So why aren't they? Um, so SEO wasn't something this um, publication provider did. Um, 
so I went on a full-on deep dive um, and researched and researched SEO and compiled this massive email with hundreds of examples and then backed up with like articles and evidence and sent it to the big boss, like basically saying, look, why aren't we doing this? Um, and I was so hyped up. I was so excited um, that of everything that I'd researched and done. Um, and then the big boss never responded to me for like weeks. And then I just got a, um, it's something along the lines of we're not interested in this. Um, so I quit. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. Cause I, I just, I was so set that this would be the thing. And I was like, I want to work on this project if it's accepted. Um, and I'd managed to build up enough knowledge for myself to apply for an SEO job. And I came in as a copywriter for, um, a children's education pub- publishers. Um, within six months, I kind of went into an SEO training role there and trained up new team members and various writers across the company on how to do SEO. Um, and then I went into an agency and kind of fell into technical. Um, I think I think I'm very the way SEO is and there's a lot of logic to it's kind of like how my brain works so it just like made sense for me to keep researching and then get just I just I'm so excited about working smarter and not harder so automation and things like that things I'm really into at the minute um I guess my advice is though if you're not happy with what you're doing at the moment if you're in a role where you get time to research and study up and um develop yourself do it and then you'll get find what you're interested in and don't give up on that and I know in the current climate you can't just quit your job um but do everything you can to position yourself to how you want to be and don't be afraid of technical stuff it's scary to start with but in six months time it'll not scare you'll be scared of something else um (laughs) can keep progressing I think that's that's, um I think it's really good advice and a lot of people have said the same in terms of finding time maybe even to just set up your own little sites to practice on um I really like that that um you won't be scared of it but you'll be scared of something else that's uh I think that's a a good barometer that you're pushing yourself and and learning because everything seems difficult to begin with I guess so let's talk about managing expectations um, I guess the the first most obvious question to ask is is why is managing expectations important, particularly for SEO? I find a lot of clients or just people that I speak to that are business owners go into the mindset of we'll start doing SEO and we'll rank number one for everything and we'll do that instantly just by adding keywords. Um and not not so much for clients but when my friends who are business owners say that I'm like what the hell are you on about that is not how it works um it's like yes there's a potential you can do that but there's so much more to it and even if you don't rank number one if you're on that first page it's gonna help and it I like to look at it almost like marginal gains, like 
don't set yourself to be that number one straight away like work your way up there slowly because that's how it is and when you make that change you might not see that change reflect for three six nine months like hopefully not nine months but I have seen occasions where it's taken like that long um and it it gives them more time to plan their resources by setting their expectations so they know what their budget can be for SEO um, and they know what their team's um, capacity is if they're going to be helping with that. Um, and another big thing is as well setting expectations. A client will start looking for an SEO agency after doing their own research. Um, so they'll they'll think they have this vast knowledge and it's kind of like yes that's great that you're researching this let's make sure you understand everything properly so then you know what to expect from us and we know what we we then can know what we're saying to you isn't going to have you shooting for the stars um so i think that's quite interesting about clients getting their own knowledge we i spoke about this on a previous podcast with uh chat called Daniel Foley Carter and we talked about clients that that saying about having a little knowledge is dangerous so Google themselves have a have a page up about choosing an SEO and they say you know nobody can guarantee number one rankings nobody has a special relationship with us and as we all know we are kind of at the mercy of Google updates so yes although if we follow the guidelines these updates should help us I've certainly seen I'm sure you have what I guess we can call collateral damage, which is people that are doing the right thing. And just because they're unlucky, they might get absolutely smashed in, in an update. So how how can anyone reasonably set expectations in this kind of environment where competitors are doing stuff, Google's changing things? Like how should how do we communicate that to, to clients? Because it, it sometimes feels like a bit of a cop-out. You know, and this is this is still me after so many years doing this. I feel like you're almost making excuses, being like, "Okay, well, we can do this, but no guarantees." And this is changing. Your competitors might do something, and the algorithm might change. So, how do you go about that with clients? I guess there's um, a few different things we can really touch on with that. So, um, first, I think being very clear with a client when you're in that discovery um time with them is is that seo isn't a guaranteed formula there's no like sheet that cheat che- i can't say that uh cheat sheet that'll tell you how to rank number one for everything like like you said no one's got that in with google um i think letting a client know there's a lot of aspects to seo that the technical aspects and um, backlinks are are also part of that. Um, so technical is probably the biggest thing for me at the moment because uh, as everyone in the SEO community knows, there's the big algorithm update coming in May and there's so much fear-mongering about that going around. Um, it's, it's important to tell your clients as long as they're following the guidelines and aren't doing any black hat SEO it's probably not going to drastically affect them straight away there's things that we can change and we will change 
um, which will help them and make sure they're not losing rankings. But I think it's important to not get your client like too hyped up about something like that. Like we can worry about these algorithm updates, um, but just make it clear that yes, something big is changing, but it's not the end of the world. And I'm sure I read the other day, I can't remember if it was uh, John Mueller or um, Barry Schwartz that tweeted it, but it was it was something along the lines of, yes, there's an update coming, but it's not going to be rolled out straight away. It's like, it, it it's the main rollout's coming out in May, but um, from my understanding of the article was that it's going to be like a, a year down the line till we fully see the effects of that. So we've got a year to keep on adapting. And as long as the client knows that SEO is about the long game, we, we should be fine and the expectation should be there. Um, yeah, so this is all to do with the uh, core web vitals, right, in May becoming part of the, the algorithm. Yeah, I think, I think I know what you're talking about there. I think I saw Martin Split talking about this as well and saying how they it will be a, a smaller, small ranking factor to begin with, and they may adjust that over time. And, you know, the the basics here is that the, you know, good content that matches intent is always going to trump, yes, your page loaded quarter of a second faster than someone else's. Of course, logically, as it, as it would, you know, I would quite happily wait an extra two tenths of a second if the content's a lot better. Um, but yeah, you're right. I've seen a lot of, um, let's say, varying opinions about, how much of an impact it's going to be and certainly we put out a, a short video and we did an article for someone else the other week essentially saying look don't don't worry about it you know as long as your speed is fair at the moment i can't see it having a catastrophic impact and i think that's from google's point of view as well you know they don't want to put something into an algorithm and then completely mix up all their search results because that's probably going to be bad for them um i think the slowly slowly approach is is, is helpful for them as well so Here's here's the pinch point for me, right? So as responsible practitioners of SEO, as agencies, as freelancers, whoever we are, we know we know all these things are in play and we've got a we've got a fair understanding of how they're going to impact clients. So like you say, we go to clients and we don't overhype what we can achieve. We let them know it's a it's a long-term game, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Pull out all the anecdotes to try and explain that. And then of course there's going to be that company that says we'll get you these results in three months how how do we compete how do freelancers how do agencies how do client managers how do we compete talking to clients when they're having these promises made to them i'm in a very unusual lucky position with this one and the agency i work for will just if someone comes back to them and, and says that they'll be like well, here's the reasoning why that's untrue. But if that's something that is a big selling point to you, go for it. Before we did this, um, I spoke to a couple of team members called Ryan and Tom, um, and they gave me loads of examples of um, situations where they've just gone with the honest approach, said to the client, look, that's not how SEO works. We can't guarantee things like that. We can put you in the best possible position but we're not making any promises to do that. And then the client 
have, have like gone with that other agency and then a few months down the line it's just not working out for them and the clients like that the clients found themselves with this other agency in the situations of well why isn't this working and the agency's almost been like well this is what's what why it's your fault kind of thing um, and not taking ownership of things like that and when they've not met the expectations the clients left and then come back to us to be like okay let's try this different approach um thankfully in all of these we've been able to um help them achieve what they want to do um but I think it's so damaging to promise more than what you can because this client could be so like into and really believing in SEO and willing to spend they're willing to spend so much money on an agency to do this and one bad agency could make could put that client off of SEO forever and we don't want that so what what's the point in lying because you're not just damaging your company's reputation by over promising you're damaging SEO as a reputation um yeah, I think that that's um, we've certainly had clients come to us that have been previously burnt by other SEO practitioners. And it does leave them in a difficult situation because then they don't have the required trust to give you sometimes or they won't commit enough budget that's required because they've obviously been burned previously. And then that does leave them in a difficult position of you know, because it, it won't work without trust and the, the right amount of time. But I really like that approach. And I think it's good advice for freelancers, agencies as well, which is maybe take, if you if you can obviously afford to, I, it's always worth taking the long view to actually getting clients as well. And it's certainly the approach we take. I was, I was in a pitch at the beginning of this year where um, we were asked to do some forecasting and um, it was for a new site on a new domain. So I didn't really have a lot to go on. And I made it clear that essentially it was guessing, not forecasting. And I gave a kind of best medium worst case scenario. And the feedback I got was the um, other agency that was at the end of this pitch, their kind of their, I think it was their either normal or, or worst case scenario was like astronomically higher than my best case one. Um, so at that point, I was just like, absolutely go with them if they say they can do that um because i don't think i can um so i'm i've of course now set up tracking and monitoring so i want to see how that goes but i think that's a really good um bit of advice not to paint yourself into that corner and end up you know doing something you know is is wrong so when it comes to these expectations with clients i'm always kind of a quite an objective person and if you set me an expectation i want to be able to to measure it does that mean that when we're setting expectations, we always need to be using metrics, you know, numbers? So how can we measure this? Or is it a bit more subtle than that? I think it's both. So I like to put metrics to things, but I don't always tell the client that I've set metrics. Um, I find if you give a client a number, they'll fixate, um, which can be really helpful like it might give give you more opportunity to get buy-in but also opens you up to the well we were kind of expecting this to happen why isn't it conversations and no one likes them um but then at the same time you don't want to go in in vague um 
I feel like the worst person because I'm going to give the typical SEO answer here and say it really depends. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but one thing I've noticed um, is sometimes I've seen people go off piste with certain metrics. So you mentioned links earlier. We know links are important for SEO, right? Um, That's an incredibly, I think, complicated topic when you go into it about, you know, how do you measure the deliverable of a link? And I've seen people get stuck in metrics around expectations for links, such as we need 12 links per month of this minimum domain authority, trust flow, whatever they're going to pick. And to me, that then misaligns the agency goals because sometimes, you know, if if we said, oh, we can get this really great link here, but it's going to need lots of time. And then maybe an account manager says, well, actually, we need to hit our 11 link, you know, goal. So we can't do that. It is maybe not in the the, the best interest of, of the client. So in terms of that, do you have any examples of what you think are good metrics for SEO campaigns for maybe the short term or long term? And is, is there a difference between short term metrics and long term metrics you might use? Um, yes. So for the short term, I'll be honest, I probably would never report on actual keyword movements because they're too volatile. If you're, if you're on a, a campaign that's three months long and then it ends and you're not going to hear from them again, there's no point mm-hmm. in reporting on, on those keyword movements. But if a campaign's a year long, it makes sense because you've had enough time to see if that works and then probably enough time to change the strategy as well in case it hasn't worked. Um, so you have, it opens you up to much more wider views. Um, I like to report on um, page views, like organic page views and pretty much not much else. Um, I think there's issues with a lot of other metrics. So like bounce rate can be a big one for some people. Um, but um, literally just yesterday, I was helping a colleague out because their bounce rate was at 14%. And it was like, hmm, I don't know if I trust that. That seems a bit too good to be true, kind of. Yeah, thing. right. Um, and it turned out there was um, a navigation issue that was making it look like people were staying on ages, as well as um, tag manager issues. Um, so we then had to contact the client and say look what we're reporting on here it's too good to be true we don't trust what we're saying and this is why and we need to change this and they was like why have you told us that you're doing better than you should be um and it's just being honest um again you just mentioned da and backlinks um da is something i will never mention ever again i've been burnt once by a saying okay you've got a DA of this and your competitor has got a DA that's 20 points higher than yours so they're going to outrank you um this was back in my early days um and then for six months there was obsessed with DA and backlinks um and it was like oh no they keep making it worse they keep buying links and no matter how many links you get if they're not quality what's the point in having them you're just burning yourself here um so that i i just personally avoid anything other than top link 
uh, top line things. That's really interesting. Yeah. So keeping some useful metrics behind the curtain, if you like. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of link metrics that we'll use internally um, because I think they're helpful. And, you know, there's endless discussions in the SEO community about, you know, take DA, for example, how obviously it's not something Google directly uses. They're clear about that, but it can be helpful. But it is certainly dangerous mentioning this um, to clients and even sites where um, I've been I've been mentioned on before. And I noticed I was in an article and they'd linked out to several places, including Moz actually, and they'd linked to one of my sites. And um, I noticed they'd no followed the link to me. So I emailed them and was just like, hey, you know, thanks for thanks for mentioning me. And can I just ask why you singled me out here, you know, and, and no followed me? And the response was basically, oh, we just no follow any outbound links to sites that don't have a DA above. And I can't remember what it was. It was like just some random DA number, <laughs> you know, and I carefully replied being like, well, can you just do it? Because that doesn't mean anything. And I, I didn't get I didn't get it removed in the end. But I found that really frustrating because, again, that's where someone's heard a metric and it's just being applied in the most nonsense the most nonsense fashion um <clears throat> so recently there has been so by i mean recently i mean the last few days so i'm not expecting well-formed opinions on this there's been a lot of discussion around google's zero click results so we had um spark toro published some data from similar web about how many um, searches were ending in zero clicks and then Google did their own blog post being like hey that's not the whole story people refine searches and everyone's just arguing with each other at the moment <laughs> it seems about zero clicks so to to pull something meaningful out of that I think it's fair to say that there are lots more search results nowadays that you don't need to click on to get the answer that you want right and my opinion is, and I think we can see that with the data, that there will be more of those types of results as we go into the future for whatever reason, for good or bad. So my question to you is, how do we manage client expectations around this zero-click stuff? If if they're, you know, we're telling them to write content and we're optimizing it, and then Google's just like showing them as a featured snippet and nobody's clicking on their site. Do, is this a good thing? Do we tell clients it's a good thing, it's a bad thing? It's how do we handle that? So this is another one where I'm going to answer it depends, but I've got examples of why it depends for once. Um, so I have a client who are obsessed with featured snippets. Basically, majority of my campaign for them has been trying to just get them. People also ask boxes and featured snippets. And since I started on this campaign, I've said to them on a monthly basis, maybe more often than that, actually. These are great to have, yes, but people don't really click on them. They get their answers and they're gone. Um, and the client said to me that they understand that and they're happy for that because they asked their staff members in like a poll what would ha how would they respond to this so what what they how they see it is they see the featured snippet and they seem to believe that um, a user would notice the branding or the website 
and then at a later date see it again at another search or come back to that search for more details and be like okay these gave me a good answer last time and click on to that they have no proof or evidence for that but their traffic is continually going up and they are continually getting more and more of these featured snippets because that's really what they're focusing on um I think there's a lot of speculation about it and you can't assume it'll 100% work or 100% won't work for you by having these zero clicks they're just a good example of it's working okay for them but they just can't prove it at this moment um I I advise all my other clients to not fixate on them um and that if you get them great if you don't it's not end of the world but these are so intensely fixated like um so. I think I think that's really interesting how um and I've I've seen a few studies about this which is how users rely on Google essentially for which brands they vouch for and by vouch I mean rank so there there seems to be a lot of trust affinity built up in terms of oh I see this brand ranking well in Google therefore I'm just going to trust Google that they're a, that they're kind of a good a good company and so I think that's a really interesting point about just being visible in featured snippets um, and, and seeing how that progresses. But I do, again, I, I like this advice essentially of, and I guess it's good life advice in general. It's not becoming overly fixated on one particular thing and keeping the bigger picture, the, the strategy in mind of, you know, doing the next kind of right thing, if you like, in terms of your website and content and links. So finally, because we, we've already hit half an hour this is flying by finally um i have a really tricky question to to leave you with uh which is about covid because it's proven challenging obviously in many different ways to businesses some more than others but specifically in terms of search and expectations and reporting we you know we've had a really hard time trying to compare stuff like year-on-year performance and you know because because the, the actual behavior has changed and the same when we're trying to think about what might happen next as fingers crossed we're coming out of a pandemic how have you got any final tips on how you might manage client expectations in in this totally unique um environment that we've never seen before <laughs> uh, one of the things that i've been saying quite a lot recently and i know the agency I work for are, are, are very adamant on this message as well, is that 2020 was probably an anomaly. Um, that it'll likely never happen again, um, especially like how it has changed the shifts in in websites. It's difficult, especially for like um, e-commerce clients, knowing how things are going to look for them when when things are lifted and life does return to some normality I personally my opinion is I think once shops are more vastly open that people are going to shop more local but that's just my own complete speculation um so um what I'm saying to clients kind of is we'll do our best to try and meet the traffic that you had last year or improve on it because I've had many that have had massive declines I'm like once things return to normal, this will be no problem for you. Um, but it's 
it there's it's very clear why things have, have changed so drastically for our clients because the world's completely changed in the space of a year and I think majority of clients will be like okay yeah we understand COVID has ruined and or improved so many different things for everyone um, and it's going to be so difficult for anyone to try and meet what happened here but there's also a few clients so one an example of one of mine is they dealt with um um that their niche is um, visiting cinemas and obviously they've had a massive drop and weirdly I thought okay that they'll understand that there's nothing I can do here this is out of my hands but I had to have a call with them and be like that they asked me why have we seen such a decrease in traffic over the last year I was like what (laughs) (laughs) cinemas aren't open that's why (laughs) um I would love to have been a fly on the wall in that call. <laughs> I, yeah, I would have. I wouldn't, I, it was the worst. <laughs> but I would have loved to have watched someone else. <laughs> um, but I, it's, we've got to a point now where they understand that everything's changed and everything's mm. going to change again. And we can't guarantee anything. What's going to happen this September isn't going to be like what happened last September because of COVID, but it might also be completely different to the September before. So it might be a case that we need to bring in instead of doing year on year, do like year on two years ago or Mm. three years ago, or like if, if they have that data available, look at everything in a bigger picture than year on year going forward, just until we've had enough time for normality to return. Mm. That's really interesting. I mean, we've had to, I mean, I've had similar discussions with with clients where um, I guess they just assumed despite their industry suffering that the website was going to continue as normal. And just going through things like Google Trends data has been helpful with them to, to show them, look, you know, this isn't just you. Here's searches for your whole topic and they're down, you know, 20, 30, 50% in some cases. So I think, yeah, help helping them get that understanding because they've got a lot else to obviously focus on. I think that's the other thing is that as SEOs, everything is, we think about SEO first and actually it's just one thing out of many things business owners are worrying about. <clears throat> but really, really helpful advice I think you've given here, Billy. Thank you so much for taking the time to to join me today. Where Where can people find you online if they want to kind of follow you and learn a bit more and maybe chat with you? So I'm basically on every social media platform going other than Facebook because it's the worst. Um, <laughs> and you can just find me at Billy Gina or um, I have a blog as well, which is billygina.co.uk where I blog about SEO. Um, yeah. Perfect. We'll link to that in the show notes at search.withcanada.co.uk and if you want to find Billy on social media, it's Gina, G-E-E-N-A, not with an I. And I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. We'll be back in one week's time, which will be Monday, April the 5th. And I hope you all have a lovely week. <laughs>